us to be a part of this family and all that God is doing. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Our uh, theme for our Christ's birthday offering that we gave this morning is making room. And um, we, I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and today I want to continue with that theme and uh, talk about something maybe a little different, but hopefully uh, it will help us as we live our lives. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. When we talk about making room, there, that could be a lot of different ways that we could actually think about that thing. Here, I want to kind of focus a moment on Joseph. Joseph, a young man who uh, probably had hopes and dreams and, and all those things about what his life was going to do, what it was going to be, and he meets uh, this young lady named Mary. Now, we don't know if this is a, a, a parent-arranged marriage or if if maybe they just met and began to really like each other, parents came together and said, yeah, they, they look good together, let's, let's, let's make this happen. And so he, he has this idea that he's going to marry this young lady and, and they're going to have this wonderful life together and then all of a sudden he finds out she's pregnant. And he knew he hadn't done it. He knew it wasn't him. He wasn't the father. So Joseph here is faced with a decision. An important decision, will he make room for this child that's not his? Will he allow this child to become part of his life as well as his mother? Now, what's interesting here, and I fully understand it, the angel, when he, she first talks, or he first talks to to Joseph, the words are, do not be afraid. And Joseph was fearful. I mean, after all, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as we go through the message, but after all, this was a serious and very important decision he was fixing to make about his life. The Bible tells us he's a righteous man. So in the righteousness of him, wanting to do the right thing, he thinks that, okay, if I just kind of divorce Mary quietly, maybe... She'll be okay. Baby will be okay. I'll be able to move on. And, and, and there's somebody else out there. The angel comes and says, Now, Joseph, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so Joseph chooses to make room for Jesus in his life. How many of us are afraid to make room for Jesus? How many of us have a fear that if we truly make room for Jesus, if we truly give Him everything He wants in our lives, wow, things are going to be different. Maybe we're not ready for that. 
There's three things I want to share that I believe kind of epitomize what Joseph was afraid of. And maybe what we're afraid of when we think about making room for Jesus. The first is that making room might ruin our reputation. Now you see, Joseph may have heard from the angel. Joseph may have been told that this was okay, that this child was from the Holy Spirit. But what, was, what was everybody else going to think? You see, there was really only two ways to explain the pregnancy, right? Either Joseph was the father, which meant that he and Mary had uh, gotten together prior to being married, or somebody else that we don't know was the father. That's the only way to explain it, right? In human terms. That's the only way it could explain it. So, so all the people, their neighbors, their friends, even their family would be wondering, okay, Joseph, are you really the dad and you're just kind of lying about it? Or who's the mystery guy? Either way, either way, Joseph's reputation was going to be tarnished. Because if he was to go ahead, as the angel said, and to take Mary as his wife and, and become the father of this child, then he was going to be marrying, in a lot of people's eyes, probably everybody's, he was going to be marrying a sinner. And to marry a sinner was to be a sinner in the Jewish culture. Or, if, he just, if, if people believed, okay, then in, uh, that you are the father, then, then he's the one that caused the sin. He was, he was as much a sinner as Mary was for being pregnant. Either way, people were going to think, man, there's something wrong with you. And that would lead then to a lot of difficulty for Joseph's life. Plus, his reputation... He was a righteous man, it said. Now, he's not righteous anymore. Let me ask you a question. What will people think if you truly make room for Jesus in your life? What will your friends think? What will your family think? What will your coworkers think? Your neighbors? If you truly make room for Jesus. You see... Because for some of us, maybe truly making room for Jesus is going to alter our lifestyle. Oh, I don't know if it would be a great alteration, but you know what I'm saying. Some of us, when we leave church and we spend Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, you know, we may not truly be totally dedicated to God. We really understand that probably we're not making all the room we need to make. For Jesus, and it, and it would cause some changes in your life. Maybe it even caused you to change some of your business practices. If you truly made room for Jesus, as He wants us to make room every day, maybe truly making room for Jesus would cause you to make some pretty tough choices. Either about the way you spend your finances, the way you spend your time, the way that you treat some people. Maybe truly making room would cause you to make some tough choices. Maybe truly making room would, would really challenge you to love unconditionally. I mean, we all have people in our life that challenge us there, right? That are hard to love. 
some people that we just wish would go away and leave us alone. And yet, for some reason, God keeps bringing them back into our life. And maybe to truly make room for Jesus would really challenge us to love those people unconditionally. You see, the, the key question that Joseph had to really ask himself, and I think we have to ask ourselves, is what reputation is more important to you? Is it people's or God's? Whose reputation or what reputation do you really care about? Are you really seeking to live your life so that your reputation before God is the most important thing to you or is it the people around you? People you work with, people you live with, the people that live next to you. Whose reputation is more important? In Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, Jesus tells the parable of talents and in that, a couple of times, several times, he says this, is, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Are we wanting to hear, Well done, good and faithful servant, from God or people? But folks, I'm going to tell you something. Truly making room for Jesus just might ruin your reputation that you have. Secondly, Joseph had a decision we do that making room might change our plans. Do you think Joseph's plans really were to begin his marriage already with a child? Do you think Joseph's plans were to actually have to move to a new home, a new place, a new start in a town called Bethlehem that he'd really probably never been to very much in his life? to have to establish himself in a new job in this new town to try to, to, to help people understand that you know, he was skilled? Do you think Joseph's plans were that his baby boy would be the Messiah? Do you think that was Joseph's plan for his life? I, I don't think so. I, I really don't think that's what Joseph had in mind. Now, the wonderful thing about us is that we know more of the story afterwards than Joseph did. I mean, we can read our Bible. We can see the whole picture and we can see how God worked and everything. But standing in Joseph's shoes at that moment, what do you think he was thinking? Oh, the life I thought I was going to have. Forget it. It's gone. moving to Egypt, <laughs> then to Nazareth, people wanting to kill his child. I don't think that was the plans that he had. So let me ask you a question. Are you afraid that truly making room for Jesus will change your ideas for your life? I had a plan. I was 16 years old and I was... Uh, loved math classes and I loved, loved what we used to call mechanical drawing back then so I was going to become an architectural engineer I was going to go to the University of Alabama and I was going to really have a good time and then I was going to set myself up and make money and you know do all the things that I wanted to do da 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 but not what God had <laughs> yeah thank you too yeah. you know 
We have plans. But honestly, folks, are they God's plans or our plans? Joseph had plans. But they weren't God's plans. So again, you know, question, what plan do you think is best, yours or God's? <laughs> I, I, I thought my plan was pretty good. You know, I, I mean, I was going to worship God. I was going to stay in church. I was, I, I was thinking, you know, maybe I could be like, kind of like Lana, chairman of the board of trustees, and, 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 and help the church grow and everything, you know, and, and do that. And, and you know, maybe, hopefully if I did well in this career, I could, I could tithe a lot of money in the church. Could, you, know, I, I had, you know, I thought, hey, that sounds good. Doesn't that sound good? You know, don't you think God would like people to, to do that? Yeah, but no, it wasn't what God had planned. And, and folks, some of our plans are great. Some of our plans sound really good. Some of them really sound spiritual. But are they our plans or are they God's plans? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. You know, that verse to me says, says God's plans are pretty good. <laughs> You know, if I, I look at what God's promising there, that, that sounds pretty good. You know, He wants to prosper me now. Now, what does that mean? I mean, you know, we, we tend to think, okay, I'll make a lot of money. No, not necessarily. He, he's going to make us prosper in who we are, in, in the life that He has for us. He, he's not going to harm us. You know, again, what does that mean? Because some of us are going through tough times and, and some of us, you know, martyrs battling cancer and, what does that mean? But, but the cool thing about it is that He gives us hope in the future. You know. so, so to me, I want God's plans because that's what I want for my life. And I hope you do too. And yet, and yet we have a struggle, don't we? Because we all have our own plans. I mean, we all have these ideas of how life should be and, and what it should do. And, and, and maybe that's what God wants for us, but let's make sure it's God's plans and not just our plans. And then, and then lastly, Joseph and, and us, that making room might call for sacrifice. Sacrifice. My little, you want to call it Hodges version, whatever, of the, the definition of sacrifice is simply this. It's giving what you don't want to give or not giving what you want to give. To me, that's what sacrifice is all about. And there's lots of examples of sacrifice in the Bible. Uh, Moses, Abraham, Daniel, Paul, and the list goes on and on. But I happen to think that maybe there was no more greater sacrifice than what Joseph made. Now, of course, Jesus. But... I mean, do you understand Joseph's dilemma here? No matter what he did the rest of his life. No matter what Jesus did, Joseph would always be living with questions. People would always have these questions about this guy. No matter where he lived, Bethlehem, Egypt, Nazareth, they would always have questions about him. There would always be the stigma about his life that either he was a sinner or he married a sinner, so he still is a sinner. And how, did, how can people relate to that? Because many times in the Jewish culture, if you sinned like that, you were ostracized. You couldn't get a job. 
You couldn't really function in society. Matter of fact, you couldn't even go to the temple. And yet we know that Joseph did because he went with Jesus when he was 12 years old and every year they did. So, but he still had the stigma there. No matter what he did, no matter how righteous he lived, he lived from that point on, people would still look at him and say, oh, Joseph, yeah, he's a great guy. Joseph, oh, awesome carpentry man. Oh, Joseph, but... You know, there's that kid. There's his wife. I mean, he, he always had that. And Joseph knew that when he decided to take Mary home as his wife. Some people would consider him unclean. So they wouldn't come to his business. They wouldn't fellowship with his family. They would walk across the street if they saw him come. And here's the thing, folks. All of that because of God. It wasn't Joseph's doing. It was God's doing. She was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And yet, every time God asked Joseph something, he sacrificed and he obeyed. Every time. Joseph, you need to go to Bethlehem. Okay, we're going. Boom. We settle in, you know, raise a child. They're at least there a couple of years so historians say. And then all of a sudden, these three kings show up and, and they give them gifts and, and the night after they leave, God comes again. Joseph, I need you to go to Egypt. Okay, God, here we go. I mean, how many of you like to pack up and move? Even when you have lots of time, much less that very night. And then he lives in Egypt for a while and God comes back and says, okay, Joseph, it's time for you to move again. Are you sure, God? Yep. Okay, he's off he goes. And then he goes to Nazareth. Has to rebuild his life again and again and again, and yet every time he's willing to sacrifice, he's willing to obey, he's willing to do whatever it is because God said do it. What's the sacrifice that you struggle with the most? Are you willing, in spite of your fears, in spite of the sacrifice involved, to do whatever God asks you to do? A few weeks ago when I was preparing this message, I got to that question. And I stopped dead in my mental track. And I had to ask myself that question. What is the sacrifice that I struggle with? And am I willing, in spite of my fears, in spite of the sacrifice involved, to do whatever God asked me to do? Folks, it took me two days to get away from that question. Two days of thinking and praying and asking God, what is it that I struggle with? What is it, Lord, that maybe I'm not trusting you enough or, or maybe that I'm not too afraid to do or whatever that I'm just not willing right now to sacrifice, to be as obedient as I should be? Now, that may sound kind of strange coming from a pastor, but folks, we deal with stuff just like you do. And that was an honest question I had to ask. And it took me two days before I finally could say to God, Okay, Lord, thank you. Let's move on with this sermon. Get the rest of it finished. 
I looked back over my life as, during those two days. And I was thinking, God, why did I, why was I able to do some of the things you asked me to do, even though it wasn't my plan, even though I thought, you know, I don't know about this idea of ministry. And, uh, you know, why, why, why was I able to do that? Why, through the years, have Pam and I, when God has asked us, hey, it's time for you to move on from this church, why were we able to do it so we pick up our kids? I can remember when we left Mississippi, that was the hardest move. Because our kids were so entrenched and, and, and they had so many good friends and, and, and they were on this kind of, what I, for lack of a better word, call this track of goodness. That God had been so good to them and, and to, to sit down on a curb outside of our house and, and tell my boys that God has said it's time to move on. And the look in their eye like, come on, Dad. And yet, why were we able to do that and, and move back to Phoenix and come to Westside Church of God? Well, I think the only way we were able to do it, the only way Joseph was able to do it, and the only way that you are able to do it is the last phrase of the last verse I read. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Folks, the only way we're able to sacrifice, to be obedient, to do the things that God asks, is when we trust the Holy Spirit that God is leading us. Now, I don't want to trivialize, trivialize the Holy Spirit, but to me, the Holy Spirit is kind of like God's GPS. And the Holy Spirit is a person, okay? Don't get me wrong. It's not a thing like a GPS. He's a person. But the Bible tells us a couple of things about the Holy Spirit. It really helped me to understand what His purpose and, and, and what I need to trust in Him. First of all, in John chapter 14, the whole, it says the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. Now, I, I don't know about you, but you know I've been praying for the last over two years now that God gives me wisdom in, in each and every situation and circumstance because to me, I, I can't do what I'm doing without His wisdom. You know, if, if I'm going to try to, to build an add-on room, I'm going to go get Dan Eastman's wisdom of how to do it. If I'm going to try to draw up plans, I'm going to go get Keith Green's wisdom of how to do it because I don't have that. Folks, when it comes to my life, I don't have a clue. I need to get God's wisdom. I need to get the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I need to let Him teach me all things so that I can move forward. You see, when He's teaching and I, and I hear that, then I can be obedient because I trust Him. I really trust Him with my life. And hopefully you do too. You do too. And it's a lot easier for me, not totally easy, but it's a lot easier for me knowing that the Holy Spirit is there, knowing that He's in my life, and knowing that He is given to me to teach me everything I need to know about this life. And about God. And then in John chapter 16, it says the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Matter of fact, it says that He will guide us into truth, but all truth. Depending on what version. Now, again, that's kind of the GPS idea for me to guide me, you know, to make sure that I'm on the right path, to make sure that my life is going exactly where He wants it to go, even though sometimes I think it ought to go this way. All of a sudden, God says, nope, this way. 
I need to be able to trust and depend that wherever He guides me, it's exactly the best, as we read in Jeremiah 29, exactly what God wants for my life. You see, as a Christian, when you first accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit moves into your life. That's God's gift to you. That when you become a Christian, you have Him. But it's more than just asking Him into your life. It's asking Him to control your life. How many of you have seen the little bumper sticker, God is my co-pilot? Seen that? That is such a false bumper sticker. God does not need to be the co-pilot. He needs to be the pilot. And that's why the Holy Spirit's given to us. That's why we have to ask Him, Okay, God, I see you over there, Holy Spirit. Would you please get over here and fly this thing the way it's supposed to be flown? Would you please take control? Because I haven't got a clue. I mean, you stick me in a cockpit of an airplane right now, I wouldn't have a clue. Other than I know, I guess you pull this way to go up and you push to go down. That's about all I know. Okay? So, if you ask me to fly a plane, God, you just sit there let me take care of this. We're going to crash real quick. So, God, Holy Spirit, would you please sit over here, do this thing, I'll watch, you tell me what I need to do. And if I need to just sit, up and sit here, that's fine with me. You know, if I need to pull a few level levers or whatever, you tell me. See, what happens is, is sometimes we kind of scoot God over there, Holy Spirit over and say, Holy Spirit, would you crawl? But then we start reaching for levers without Him telling us. Some of you who've been around the church forever, you know what the fancy term for this is. It's called sanctification. It's called giving the Holy Spirit control of your life. And many of us have the Holy Spirit in our lives, but we've never given Him control. And it's no wonder we struggle, and no wonder that sometimes our life crashes, and sometimes we, we have doubts, and sometimes we can't sacrifice because we're still trying to fly the thing rather than trusting Him. Obey Him. Listen to Him. Even when the sacrifice seems too, too, too great. You see, making room. Making room in our life, as we said, takes a lot of different areas. But where we need to start is to make room for the Holy Spirit to be who God wants Him to be in our lives. As those of us who are Christians, those of us who, who, have, who celebrate the birth and who have asked Jesus in our life, have we truly given the Holy Spirit control? That's what making room is all about. And that's what Joseph was able to do. He was able to make room for all the stuff he was going to have to go through and, and, and the difficulty of his life because he trusted that the Holy Spirit was in charge. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Lord.